Welcome back to another episode of Beyond Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Jahan, and with me as always is Rob. Rob, how's it going today? Going really good. Looking forward to talking more about these playoffs. Man, it's the best time of year. It's good stuff. Good stuff. A lot of great basketball. You know, it's it's, it's been a very entertaining playoffs. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the aggressiveness, that playoff atmosphere is there. I think some of the, the veteran guys, some of the retired guys will, will appreciate the intensity. Uh, you know, a couple of series have gotten a little chippy. We like that during the yeah. playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I got to say, this is one of the most exciting first rounds of playoffs in recent memory. Agreed. We have a lot of evenly matched teams, um, a lot of young guys in the playoffs for the first or second time. And uh, it's mind-boggling to say this, but the only series that looks like it could end in a sweep is uh, Boston over Brooklyn. Yeah, that's surprising, but not too surprising. Uh, yeah. right? <laughs> well, let's talk, let's talk about that a little bit, because we've been texting about this series. Yeah. Um, I think you, more than most people, saw some, some cracks in the Nets' uh, armor here. So let's get into this. What, what are your thoughts on this series? Well, the, in, the, in the NBA... To be an elite team, you do need three big-time players. And that third player can be one guy, multiple guys, what have you. I, you know, the, the Nets, as crazy as it sounds, they don't seem to have enough firepower. And yeah. it particularly against the Celtics defense, which is running in high, in high gear. I, I think the, the Bucks D is still the best in the league. But boy, that Celtics team, they, they get after it. They're long, they're athletic, and they're disciplined. And that's right. that's a good recipe for success. Yeah, I think we should also shout out their coach, Coach Udoka. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Monty is definitely a, a favorite for coach of the year, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if it goes to Boston. He's yeah, he, he turned that team around, man. They were having a rough start to the season. Mm-hmm. He he turned it around, and yeah. like you said, their defense is top tier. You know, I don't think I've ever seen a team shut down Kevin Durant the way this Boston team is doing it. Yeah, right. Absolutely, they're scrappy and they're long, and I, mm-hmm. I think we really have to shout out Jason Tatum. You know, he he's playing at a oh, yeah. really really high level. He's superstar level. He's putting in work. I think we're going to mention a couple other Duke players in a bit, but yeah, 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 there's a bunch of them around there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another thought I have for the Nets is that Steve Nash, obviously, you know, an amazing player, has a great basketball IQ, but I think he kind of got thrown into the deep end as far as his first coaching job. Much like Jason Kidd, his first coaching job also with the Nets. He had a bunch of vets join the team with him, you know, funnily enough, a few uh, Boston Celtics legends. Yeah. He had Garnett, yeah. Pierce. But it was just, it was too much. Uh, you know, it's a hard enough job as is. But when you get thrown in with zero coaching experience and you have these first ballot Hall of Famers on your roster, making right. everything kind of gel isn't as easy as it might seem. It's a big ask of any new coach. And um, I don't know. I'll, we'll see if Steve Nash is still around after this series. You know, maybe they turn it around. Who knows? But from top to bottom, this is just kind of a mess in, in Brooklyn. It's it's a weirdly constructed roster. Like you said, not much firepower. Yeah. I love Bruce Brown, but if he's your third best player, you're you're not making the finals run. Yeah. And, and you know, I think Steve will get another season or two. Uh, I think he's NBA royalty. 
Um, so yeah, he'll he'll get sure. he'll get a, a little bit longer of a stint than maybe some others would. Uh, the the point guards as coaches, that recipe is is a successful recipe, and I, I don't think the Nets should go yeah. away from him just yet. Uh, yeah. But you're right. He's 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 in a pickle. He's in a tough spot. And I don't think Kevin Durant is 100. percent I think you know we got to remember the injuries he's gone through over the last couple of years. Um, right. He's a little banged up toward the end of the season as well, and all of that matters. All of that matters. Of course, yeah. He he uh, missed a chunk of the season with injury, and he had to play a lot when he was healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked we've talked about Kyrie before, the highs and the lows of Kyrie, and when you're best player or your second best player depending on who you ask is missing that many games it's going to be tough it's going to be tough to have a cohesive yeah. roster ready for the playoffs yeah absolutely but in, in happier basketball news uh today we saw the bucks beat the bulls in game four they're headed back to milwaukee for game five the series is at three to one in favor of milwaukee uh so you know can't get ahead of ourselves anything could happen but it's looking good it's looking good Game four looked like an extension of game three, you know? Yes, yes, was, sir. that's right. Game three plus, you know, the <laughs> the defense was solid. Uh, the guys are struggling. It's a lot easier to win when you're hitting threes. Chicago didn't play poorly, I don't think. They, they didn't hit no. a lot of shots that they probably really, really needed to hit in, in big moments. They made a run here or there, uh, couldn't sustain it. Uh, but, the you know, the defense for the Bucks is tremendous. And mm-hmm. uh, they're outside shooting because of the ball movement and the penetration and kicks. You know, they're getting good looks and they're knocking them down. Grayson Allen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we'll talk about game four more in a bit. But first off, we got to talk about game three. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about game three first. Well, let's do that. And uh, joining us to talk about game three is a Milwaukee resident, a Wisconsin sports enthusiast and a dear friend. We'll be talking with Andrew Minton today. Ah, that sound you just heard is the sigh of relief coming from the city of Milwaukee. The Milwaukee Bucks have emerged from game three of their first round series with the Chicago Bulls victorious, putting the series at two to one in favor of Milwaukee after a couple of rough games that uh, we split with Chicago, but also saw Chris and Bobby go out early in game two. I think I can safely speak for Rob and myself when I say that this game three was a very pleasant surprise, but we're not alone. We're joined by a friend of mine, now a friend of the pod, Andrew Minton. Andrew, thanks for joining us to talk about this. Happy to be here. Happy to, happy to see that game tonight. What's going on, Andrew? Do you, do you go by Andrew or Drew? Uh, I go by Andrew. Okay. Welcome aboard. Glad to have you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Any major takeaways from Game 3 off the top of your heads? You know, the, the first thing that, that comes to mind for me is the defense. Drew Holiday interrupts mm-hmm. the opposing team's offense in so many ways just because of his on-ball presence. You know, his on-ball defense is, I think, the best in the league. And the the way the Bucks got after the Bulls on defense really set the tone. And I also think with Chris being out, the ball moved slightly differently. You know, 
Chris can take folks off the dribble. You know, he can he can get his shot. He can create his yep. shots. And I think tonight, in his absence, the ball had to move. And of course, most importantly, probably the threes were falling. So you you got a more intense defensive front. You have the ball moving in some different ways. And then, of course, when the shots fall, that signals the, the big win tonight. Absolutely. They really exerted their will, it seemed like, maybe for the first time this series. Mm-hmm. A lot of the the first two games is a lot of sloppy offense, a lot of turnovers, a lot of yeah. seeming kind of lost out there. And maybe that was rust in game one and then – uh, I don't know what to blame it on in game two, but oh, we'll we'll talk about game two. Don't worry. <laughs> but tonight they looked uh, all t- just a great team all around. Uh, you pointed out the excellent defensive performance, but and as you said, the ball moving around on, on offense, they were just a lot more cohesive. It was really nice to see them uh, living up to their potential. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And to build on what both of you were talking about, I think that there was a, a certain lack of intensity in those first two games. We saw it in the first quarter of game one. We saw it a little bit in the comeback of game two, but to some extent, you know, we can blame a little bit of rust. Our starters have not played together much this season due to injuries and rest. And we saw that in the first two games, but tonight we basically jumped out to a hot start and didn't let up from there. We, we had scored the bulls in all four quarters, uh, except the fourth, they, they had one more point than us, but that was mostly with our bench guys playing. So our starters, I think, have kind of, um, due to the adversity of losing Chris, something has been sparked in, in this lineup. Yeah, and I, I also like the play of Lopez tonight. He mm. seems to be getting his legs up under him. He seemed uh, quite a bit more active yeah. on defense. Um, you know, he didn't shoot as many threes, but his presence in the paint was big. Uh, he looks like he's a little more comfortable now. Yeah. For sure. And he's not the biggest rebounder, especially at this point in his career, but he positions himself really well defensively and he can check in on offense when we need him. Yeah. Good presence tonight. He may not be the the best or the biggest uh, rebounder, but I felt like the Bucs as a team were doing a lot better of getting those defensive rebounds, cutting off the Bulls from having second chance points tonight. Um, I haven't looked at the box score to back that up, but it seemed like in the first two games, the Bulls were getting a lot of those bounces where the Bucks were right in the right spots tonight, cutting that off and getting a reset on offense. Well, you know, that's where Bobby is so important, too. Uh, you know, of course he knocked down the threes, but his activity around the basket on offense and defense is critical. You know, he brings so much energy, yeah. and that was really infectious. You can see the energy from the Bucks tonight in a way like you guys have mentioned that in, in a way that we really hadn't seen before. And, uh, you know, one of the announcers, uh, you know, I like, I like listening to Mark Jackson and Van Gundy, you know, they talked about the bugs playing with a bit of a chip coming out, coming out wanting to really set a tone because of the way they played before. And, and that was really obvious. Yeah. Let's talk about Bobby for a minute here, because, um, as I mentioned, he left game two early with that eye injury, took an elbow to the face. But in games one and three, he's he's averaging like 13 points, 13 rebounds, something like that in this series. Tonight was his first start due to Chris's injury. They reshuffled things and Bobby started. But do you guys think it was the goggles? Is that is that what made him stand out tonight? You, you know, it, it's tough to put a pair of goggles on when you haven't played with them before. 
And for him to come out and be as effective first time putting on some goggles tonight, you know, I don't know if it was his first time, but obviously I hadn't seen him in them before. But, uh, you know, for him to come out and be effective in some goggles, that's not easy to do, you know. So, yeah, maybe the goggles did, did play a role, you know. Uh, they looked good on him. I, I like the look. <laughs> he looked great. That's that, a great look. Yeah. They, were, they were a real good fit. Yeah. Hopefully they stick uh, they stick on his face for the rest of the playoffs. But, yeah, he you know, he shot 50% from three, 50% from the field. Uh, he was getting in there. He had he led the team in rebounds. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, along with Giannis, led the starters in scoring. Of course, our guy Grayson Allen came off the bench Grayson. and ended up leading the team. <laughs> Talk about it. Grayson. Yeah. He was nowhere to be seen those first couple games, but he really showed up tonight. You know, this is why you pick up Grayson Allen, right? He's, he's going to take tough shots. He's going to make tough shots. He's going to go hard to the bucket. You know, he plays tough. And he's played in big games. This is exactly why you pick up a Grayson Allen for these moments. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see the post-game interview with Grayson? Yeah, yeah, that was classic. Yeah, Lisa was. Uh, Lisa asked him if they were feeling more confident after this game and they were gonna uh, look forward to the future. And he said that was a trap. And then Holiday came came by and just yelled "boo" and shoved Grayson. <laughs> he was right though. You know, yeah, that was a trap, yeah. and he and he responded right, like, "Hey, we got we got work to do. We got to stay focused." You know, mm. that's the right thing to say, right attitude. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. One thing I really appreciated about this game, we saw the Bucks' ability to play through adversity, and in fact, play better due to adversity, is still with us. The team did not lose that from last year's run. Guys stepped up. Role players had big games, and. Giannis did his thing, of course. You know, Drew was out there doing his thing, of course. But, you know, everybody showed up to play yeah. today. Yeah, and shouts to Coach Bud and the staff. You know, they, they put together a nice defensive yeah. scheme mm-hmm. um, to deal with the Bulls. You know, they were you know forcing DeMar DeRozan to his left, getting help on him, making him have to make tough shots, which he makes, of course. But, yeah. you know, it was really, really uh, in effective in the way that they were guarding him, disrupting their offense, and then forcing other guys to make plays. And that that's coaching right there. Props to the coaches. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, all three of us have had various conversations about our lack of faith in Coach Bud over the years, but he's proven us wrong. Yeah, I, you know, I and, and my criticisms after tonight, they stopped. Because what I saw was a a coach that made important adjustments, losing a big piece tonight, and uh, getting the guys ready. Mm-hmm. You know that that's that's having the ability to to get your guys focused and playing in a particular way, and then also uh, putting together a scheme that that works for them. I'm with you 100, percent Rob. It's yeah. the big uh, the big complaint I always had about him was the not adjusting. Uh, depending on how a series is going or adjusting too late. And tonight right. was just, just the excellent, excellent defensive changes there to shut down yeah. the Bulls' offense. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk about the Bulls for a second because I'm looking at the box score now, and um, you can see the impact our defense had at them in their, in their own house, of course, too. Mm-hmm. They, they shot pretty poorly from the floor, and our size advantage came through in a way that it hasn't in the first two games. Andrew, you mentioned the the getting those defensive rebounds, and we finally managed to to reassert our dominance with our bigs, which is how we've beaten them in the regular season so many times. But B 
because of our defense, they had to play through uh, Vucevic. And he had a solid game, scored 19 points. But the fact that he was taking the most field goal attempts and the fact that he was their highest scorer, if that's the case, all due respect to him as a player, I think he's great. If we force the Bulls to play like that, I think there's no way we don't close out this series. You know, DeMar DeRozan held to nine shots. Zach Levine held to 13 shots. This team is, you know, obviously they're missing Lonzo, but it's still a really dangerous team. But the way we force them to play our game in their own building uh, is is critical. Yeah. And we kept the Bulls from getting into their rhythm and, and getting any kind of energy going. And that, and that was important, especially when you're, you're on the road, keeping that home team from getting too comfortable and keeping that home crowd out of the game, that was critical. Mm-hmm. When the Bucks run out, you know, you could see the, the Bulls wanting to make a run here and there in the second quarter, and they just couldn't, they couldn't get mm-hmm. it going, and they could, you know, the crowd couldn't get in the game. And the, the, Bucks, uh, the Bucks, as you mentioned earlier, Andrew, imposed their will. And, and you know, you, you, you can see a team that's, you know, got a big lead. They sometimes, you know, relaxed. Bucks didn't relax, kept the, the pedal to the floor coming out of the second half, and that was impressive. We also kept the ball better than the first two games. Uh, we had double-digit turnovers in games one and two. Tonight in Chicago, only nine. Bud is making his adjustments, and the players are kind of waking up to the task at hand yeah. here. Yeah, I was thinking, obviously, thinking ahead is, is foolish. you got to finish what's ahead, what's in front of you. But I was thinking in those first two Bulls games, if the Bucks play like that against the Celtics or, or the Nets, there's there's no way they win four games. Just the, the turnovers they were having, the way they couldn't get around that sticky defense uh, the Bulls were, were putting on them, they, they were not uh, inspiring a lot of confidence for a deep playoff run. But it's good to see him get back on the horse tonight, really lock it down. Mm-hmm. Kept Alex Caruso from, from having his impact, yes. his hustle plays and energy yeah. plays. That was really important. The the role players stepped up, Pat Connaughton, Wesley mm-hmm. Matthews, you know, yeah. everybody played solid tonight. Yeah. Let's talk about Drew for a sec. because Talk he... about Drew. <laughs> yes. Got to talk about the big man. He led the starters in minutes, and he had a pretty efficient game. You know, didn't shoot great from three, but he was 7 for 14 from the floor, 16 points, and he had uh, six rebounds, six assists. Now, I think we all saw at times in the playoffs last year, there'd be games where Chris wouldn't show up, but then Drew would, or, you know, Drew wouldn't show up, and then Chris would. We all know Drew was an upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. Yes. Based on, on previous playoff runs, but I'm just curious... Now that Drew's been here for a year, he's more settled in with the team than last year's run. What are your thoughts on seeing him running this offense along with Giannis? You know, I'm a big Drew Holiday fan. I I think because he doesn't think shot first, he doesn't always get mentioned in the top point guards in the way that I think he should. I think he has to now, with two impressive post seasons, I think he's going to continue to play well, and we're going to continue to see him interrupt other teams' offenses and then also be a tough cover on the other end. He can get to spots on the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's strong down low. You know, they'll put him in the block occasionally. Uh, you know, man, Drew, Drew, is, Drew is tough. He, he, he's a handful out there. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%, Rob. I think it was smart for you to open the episode talking about him and his performance tonight. He's, he's just a great 
a part of this team. He's exactly what they needed, and it showed last season with the championship and and tonight is an excellent performance. Like we talked about his incredible defense, but he got through tonight with no fouls either, playing that mm-hmm. tight on mm-hmm. DeRozan. And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, he's he's got a he's got a great basketball mind. He's 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 uh, just a great fit for this team. Great team player, great shooter, and an excellent defender on ball and off ball. Such balance tonight too. You know, Giannis gives you eighteen, seven, and nine. Let's not sleep on those numbers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, can't take I know it's granted. not in the yeah. I mean, eighteen, seven, and nine. Like, come on, Bobby's eighteen and sixteen. Drew is sixteen, six, and six. Grayson's twenty-two and six. Pat's eleven and four. This is this is as balanced as you can get. Yeah. One thing that really separates Holiday from Bledsoe, who uh, his his predecessor as our point guard, Bledsoe could score. Mm-hmm. Bledsoe could do a lot of things on offense and defense. Uh, very athletic guy, but I think Drew just sees the game a little bit differently. Rob, you were kind of talking about you know Drew doesn't necessarily think of you know shooting first taking the charge necessarily every possession and you might say you know 16 6 and 6 that's pretty good but what makes drew so special is everything he does with or without the ball in his hands leads to success for his teammates in ways that don't show up in the box score right he has six assists but if we counted the pass before an assist he'd have more if we counted positioning in a way that lets your teammates grab a defensive or offensive rebound it's more than six rebounds one steal, one block, but the way he disrupts offensive schemes, more than one steal, more than one yeah. block. And he gets his hands on a lot of balls that are, you know, a lot of loose balls, a lot of 50-50 plays. You know, Drew's getting his hand on a lot of balls out there. Mm. Yeah. And he got the jump ball tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have another game in Chicago, then back to Milwaukee. If game four goes like this, then we have the chance to close it out at home, but... You know, Andrew, as you pointed out, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves here. So, yeah, what are your what are your guys' thoughts on the rest of this series? Well, you know, game four, as, as Grayson alluded to, game four is important now, right? Because Bucks can go up 3-1. And as you talked about, when we get later into the playoffs, you're going to need that rest. And I think, you know, game four is maybe now as important as game three in terms of how the Bucks respond to a big win. You know, if if we were concerned about Chris not being in the lineup and what that would look like, we now have to make sure that the Bucks come out with the same kind of energy because, you know, the, the Bulls are going to respond. Uh, Bucks need to come out, get game four, come back home, close this out 4-1, and that's the kind of work that champions do. Finish teams off when you have to so you can get those days off and get your legs back up under you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree that game four is is extremely important here. Uh, it's you know the the Bucks came into this series as, as heavy favorites, and even with Middleton down tonight, they proved that they can they can get it done in convincing fashion. And it's uh, you know the Bulls are they don't have ball. Levine is uh, hobbled. It's been a, a long injury filled season for them. They were real hot at the beginning, yeah. but. Um, yeah. You know the Bucks should put this thing away. Well, now we just have to see if they, if they can if they can do it. And yeah, they've got uh, they're battle tested. They've got that you know the the core 
here, went through all the last postseason with the adversity. And so, uh, you know, hoping for good things uh, Sunday at noon, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, indeed we will. Andrew, I know you, you said you haven't been watching a ton of playoffs other than the Bucks games, but of what you have seen, are there any series that you've been particularly interested in or surprised by so far? I, sh- I shut off the Timberwolves game last night after the after they opened up their second large lead like a fool. Oh, I, man, I think the Timberwolves shut down too. <laughs> uh, I've been watching the, the Celtics and the Nets, which has been... A very very fun series so far yeah uh i have no idea what's going to happen there i'm just enjoying the ride yeah that's eastern conference finals quality in the first round mm-hmm. yeah rob how about you any series been catching your eye you know i've been i've been enjoying out west i've been spending a little time yeah. thinking about this uh, phoenix new orleans game that's on now it's interesting mm-hmm. to see what's what's going to mm-hmm. happen here with the uh, Phoenix, obviously, uh, with their regular season record, this uh, New Orleans team isn't going away quietly. And it's also fun to watch that Golden State team, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That kid from Milwaukee. I don't know if you know about this kid from Milwaukee, uh, but he is over (laughs) here. He's acting crazy in Golden State. Yes. (laughs) Rufus King representing. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you, Rob. I think Phoenix New Orleans is especially interesting because, you know, we're not the only team missing our star shooting guard for a bit. The Suns have lost Devin Booker to injury for a couple weeks and blood's in the water. We'll see if the Pelicans can can capitalize on that. Series is tied up and this game game three is tied up as well right now, you know, as of this recording. Mm-hmm. But um this could be an interesting one. Uh, the Hawks stole one at home tonight against the Heat, so we, we definitely want to see the Heat have to play as long as possible. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're sure. going to see them late in the Eastern Conference Finals, ideally. Uh, we want to want to make sure they come in with a, a little fatigue on those legs. Yeah, all aboard the Trey Young hype train. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Andrew, we had you on to talk about Bucks Bulls, of course, but... The main reason we have you on tonight, there are other teams, professional teams in Wisconsin. The Bucks do share the state, and uh, you're quite a big Brewers and Packers fan. So we wanted to have you in to kind of uh, give us a state of the state on Wisconsin professional sports. How are the other teams doing? What are they up to? I would uh, start off with a cliche and uh, overused line that the state of the state is good. We're in an interesting position in all three of the major sports that we have. The Bucks uh, foraging ahead tonight. Uh, The Brewers starting the season pretty interesting, kind of picking up where they left off. Their pitching, once again, is looking very dominant. They had some shaky starts from Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta at the beginning of the year, but they're finally... Uh, putting it together. Woodruff had two solid starts in a row. Uh, Peralta only gave up one run tonight against a pretty loaded Phillies lineup. And it's it's way too early to really know uh, what's going to happen. But it's again looking like a team that has a really solid pitching side and a questionable offensive side. 
It's just going to be whether they can score enough runs to support those pitchers. And and it comes down to whether Yelich is back this year to his all-star form or if he's still uh, looking a little off. And uh, he's been hitting the ball harder this year, still kind of hitting it at guys, unfortunately, or hitting it down, which isn't hmm. uh, what the sabermetrics folks would advise you to do. But he's... <laughs> He's looking a little more promising this year so far. He uh, he bought a keg for the folks at Jack's American <laughs> Pub on the east side tonight. So That's how you make fans in Milwaukee. Right. <laughs> yeah. Every Friday uh, away game this season, there will be a bar, I believe, in Milwaukee County. I don't think it's in the five counties. I think it's just Milwaukee County. I can't remember. Uh, where they announced the day of one of the – Brewers players is buying drinks for the fans watching the game at that bar. So nice. tonight was Yelich's turn. Uh, the Brewers only scored two tonight, uh, neither from Yelich's, uh, but he won some points with the fans a different way. Hmm. They've got a good chance. The NL Central isn't that strong. The Cardinals are ahead of them right now, and they're going to be their main competitor this year. But it's exciting. It's I mean, it's great to have a competitive team. Uh, year in and year out. So looking forward to what they have in store. Now, would you say that the dynamic you were describing of great pitching, struggling on offense, has that been the problem in the last couple of years in the playoffs? It was the problem last year. Uh, the year before that, their offense was, was still pretty pretty reliable. But last year, I mean, what, what knocked them out of the playoffs was that they – they couldn't score enough runs against the Braves, and uh, it seemed like that was the Brewers' fault. But then the Braves went and shut down the Dodgers and won the World Series uh, on the back of their pitching. So, you know, you got to hand it mm-hmm. to the other guys, too. But Brewers didn't score enough runs last year. And also, I mean, they got knocked out on Hader giving up a home run to Freddie Freeman. So it was really best versus best in our pitching broke when we needed it uh the most so you know it was yeah uh sorry to answer your question it's a bit of continuation from from last year right now but it hasn't been a trend for mm-hmm. too long okay um moving on to territory i'm much more familiar with let's talk packers now we're still in the off season here uh it's been a tumultuous couple of seasons to say the least mike mccarthy former Super Bowl winning coach, shipped out. We got a new guy in town, Matt LaFleur, who seems to be making a lot of very similar mistakes. But, you know, team seems like it's in better shape in some ways. Uh, what are your thoughts on how the offseason has been going? What are your thoughts for the season ahead? I I, I want to push back a little bit on your characterization of Matt LaFleur. Uh, I think, <laughs> you know, uh, when McCarthy left, it was because it was getting stale. The people weren't listening to him in the locker room anymore, and you know it was a little dysfunctional. And Lafleur has completely turned around the well that with also the signing of Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, uh, the year Lafleur joined, yeah, the- they they all changed the locker room together and really uh, re- revitalized the team. And um, you know Lafleur's got 13 wins every year so far, which is extremely impressive. He has. Uh, faltered on the NFC Championship game stage, which I, I assume you are alluding to with your uh, McCarthy uh, comparisons. 
<laughs> Indeed, I was. Yeah, but you know, uh, uh, Rogers says he's coming back, and that's a that's a great sign that makes them competitive right away. Losing um, Devonte oh, Adams man. and uh, MVS this offseason hurts, but you know they signed Sammy Watkins. You hope he can play six or seven games. He's still a relatively young guy. He's he's uh he's yeah. really great with his feet. I've seen some some nice videos on Twitter of some people breaking down film, showing how good he is at at getting separation at the line of scrimmage. And I mean, draws a lot of attention too from secondaries. Opens up uh, lanes for other. Yeah, guys. you're hoping with him he can he can help coach up some of the new guys that come in. And you're hoping he can play for like half the season or, or more, uh, depending on his health. And he's a, he's a reliable pass catcher. He's a solid player still. So I, I'm really happy with that signing. And I, I don't like to watch the pocketbook of the team that much. It, it doesn't seem fun to me to care about the cap and stuff. But they did get him for an extremely, extremely cheap contract. So it seems like nothing but an uh, upside for the Packers to bring him in. I'm excited to see how he fits in this offense. I also think that losing Devontae, as much as it sucks, I mean, he's the best wide receiver in the game. Oh, yeah. But no I think I think it's going to help highlight LeFleur's offensive design and play calling. He, in the past, has really uh, enjoyed creatively using his running backs, and he's got two incredible weapons there with Quazilla and Aaron Jones. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited to see what this team looks like next year. I don't know. I, I think um, re-signing Razul Douglas and Devondre Campbell uh, for the defense is really great. I think they're going to still look good. I'm hoping they get uh, a pass rusher or two in the draft uh, next week. But uh, I'm excited. I think they've got a, a real good chance again, and I can't wait to see what happens. My question is... Does the Green Bay Packers pick up Debo Samuels? I heard he was at game two of the Bucks game. I don't know. I didn't see anything, but I, I heard a rumor. I would be extremely excited if they traded for him. Uh, I don't know what they have to offer that the 49ers would want right yeah. now, but I think, I mean, he would he would be great in this offense. At, uh, he's He's got so much versatility and he's a great pass catcher i think uh i I would be extremely excited if they brought him in you know once i heard he might be available i thought man that would be a great great addition for aaron Rodgers. you know he he would he would fit so perfectly you know crazy utility you know you can do all types of creative Mm -hmm. stuff with him man and I'm, I will have to say, I'm a Bears fan. I would hate to see that happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd hate to see that happen. But if we're talking about the Packers, that'd be a good move. Bears have got a exciting chapter here. With, yeah. uh, Justin Fields uh, yeah. and and a new coach. It's going to be an interesting few years. They've got they've got a good potential here. It, it, they do, and as a, as a Bears fan, we we have grown accustomed to quarterback challenges. So mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I hate that we lost Allen Robinson though. 
you know yeah that, that's a oh, huge man. loss yeah. i i don't you know i'm I, i'm like you andrew i don't really get into all the contracts and all that kind of stuff i i hope players get the the contracts that their their market value affords them absolutely Having said that though well we're gonna miss alan robinson uh, on that on that kind of note, I want to make it known. Last off season with all the will they won't they with Rogers stuff, I was always saying I'm on the side of the player in any argument against the the franchise or the owner. You know, I mean, I, I mm-hmm. love the Packers. I'm a diehard Packer fan, but I want what's best for each of the players individually. It's uh, you know, if there's any sort of work struggle, I'm gonna side with the the person trying to get. The, maximize what they can for the short time that they play this brutal, terrible game that I right. can't right. quit watching. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, man. Um, Rob and I have kind of talked about this in previous episodes, but we're both transplants to Wisconsin, and we both ended up being big Bucks fans. Um, I have it a step further in that I'm also a Packers fan, but I know you, you were not born in Wisconsin yourself. Andrew, how did you end up becoming such a, a Wisconsin sports fan? Yeah, my dad was uh, in the Navy, so we moved around a lot when I was growing up. And my dad and my mom are originally from Wisconsin. My dad from Green Bay and my mom from Door County. So when we were moving around, it was the it was the 90s and the early 2000s, and whenever we were on a, a military base, there was generally Packers gear and Cowboys gear uh, because of the revitalization of the Packers franchise with the signing of Reggie White and the, the trade for Brett Favre. And my dad is a, a huge Packers fan and kind of ingrained that in me whenever it was possible to like get a game on the radio or you know once a week uh there's a football game on the armed forces network and he would he would try to watch that with us but if it was a packers game uh, no matter what the time zone was he would make sure i guess we had a vcr back then but uh you know he'd make sure we got that packers game and watch that and so i i grew up watching them and then i moved to wisconsin when i was in sixth grade and uh, i met some people who were big um, Brewers fans, and the Brewers were pretty bad back then, but um, I started watching baseball more, and I, I feel like I just missed that Bucks era with Ray Allen and and uh, Cassell. Sam Cassell. Yeah. And, big uh, dog. Big dog. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely played some 2K in some friends' basements and, and got to know some of the Bucks there, but I didn't start following them as much until I moved to Milwaukee. And I mean, I guess I moved here like the same time as Giannis, which helped a lot. But yeah, I kind of, uh, with my parents being from Wisconsin, I've kind of acted like this has always been my home. And so I've gotten really big into the sports teams here. But uh, over the last uh, few seasons, I mean, I, I generally dislike a Chicago sports team on principle based on mm-hmm. the rivalry, but I have become a, a, a Chicago sky fan as well. Uh, Cause we don't have a WNBA team to cheer for up yeah. here. Yeah. And what about for hockey? Who are you rooting for? Uh, when I, when I got to college, our neighbor in the dorms had a, the NHL, whatever year it was 
for their PlayStation, and the Kings were the worst team in the game. So me and my roommate became Kings fans, but I, I don't watch hockey anymore, so I just I don't care about uh, the Wild or the Blackhawks. Well, I, I, I still think that NHL, NHL is one of the best sports video games ever made, and mm. it continues to perform well. <laughs> the feeling of like getting a one-timer to go into the goal is just a great, great feeling of flicking that yeah. stick. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. of uh 2k and then madden and then the nhl and then uh i think you also play some of the baseball games are is would you agree with rob is, is hockey usually the most satisfying video game experience of your sports yeah i think i think that's that's right it's uh you know it's constantly moving it's the same with same with 2k but uh mm. Yeah, the the hockey games have always been really solid. They yeah. they play really well, and the the players handle well, and it's it's just a yeah, it's a, it's a really good product. Uh, Madden is constantly not exactly what you want it to be. Yeah, and and, and baseball games are good, but they're not as fun as as two K or the NHL franchise. Well, you know, like in real life baseball video games take forever you know (laughs) (laughs) so it's just it's a different it's a different playing experience another game that we got to throw in the mix though is fifa you know the soccer game of course of course yeah it's it's uh it's really good too it's really good it has a lot of particularities about it that you it, it really uh helps if you play a little soccer or know a little something about it you can really get the the brilliance pun intended of uh, <laughs> of FIFA. Mm-hmm. The one thing I think that elevates uh, 2K, aside from how fun it is and how you know fast paced it is, uh, I think 2K really leaned into the culture around basketball. Yeah, and uh, they started to build that into the games. You know, they had the one that Jay Z was the executive producer on, and then that was followed by uh, Spike Lee as a creative director on one of the games. He created a whole single-player story mode. Mm. And I, I think that's something that we're going to see more from other sports franchises, uh, video games. There's only so many things you can do to spice these games up year after year. Yeah. Or you could just watch He Got Game, uh, <laughs> because I think Spike basically ripped himself off for that one. <laughs> um, Andrew, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm ha- happy to help. I don't know how much I... Uh contributed really but i was really happy to do this it's nice talking with you guys and it's nice talking about the the teams i enjoy so (laughs) i had i had a great time hell yeah yeah you're always welcome you know is there anything you want to plug or mention or Uh, i just want to plug the the bucks bench uh Mm -hmm. i thought they had a really fun uh harlem globetrotters-esque play to get over 100 points today when the ball started bouncing around and there's a gigantic bounce pass towards the rim and uh, a nice finish but it was great to see all the all the guys wara ibaka yeah, everybody yeah. getting out there yeah. the nasses of course vildoza too we got the new guy the new uh our yeah. new guard, luca vildoza showed up for a few minutes the nasses on the court for less than a minute before his first foul everybody playing the hits <laughs> it was a great time you know it's really comforting to have serge ibaka and the Wara over there on the bench Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's oh, really sure. comforting to be able to go that deep. Yeah. 
I think Noir is going to come up big in the playoffs. Agreed. He'll have a game or two where folks will have to remember he he's logged a lot of minutes on the floor. Mm-hmm. Right. And we we all saw him in the Olympics, man. He was something mm-hmm. else for Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had some huge yeah. games out there. Yeah. joining us and uh talking yeah, about history. Yeah, yeah, it was a fun time. Got to talk Packers Bears a little bit. That was fun. Yeah, you know, there'll there'll be more of that uh once the NFL season kicks off. But there there is one question, Jahan, that, that goes unanswered every season about this time. Okay. How is it that the NHL is always in the playoffs? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> it's always the Stanley Cup playoffs. Probably the wrong person to ask. <laughs> You turn away for one second, it's suddenly yeah, it's, it's, it's back always off. the playoffs in NHL. I don't know. <laughs> oh man, not my wheelhouse, but uh, yeah. you know that's why we have guests on. That's right. But yeah, so let's let's talk about Game Four a little bit. So that was uh, we were in Chicago again, and uh, you know you mentioned possibly our mutually favorite Duke player now. Disregard our previous episode, but I think Grayson Allen just he just shot to the top of the list. Yeah, this is why we picked up Grayson Allen. He he's going mm-hmm. to take big shots. He's going to hit big shots. He penetrates. He he gets to the paint. You know, he he's he's an aggressive, hard nosed guy. And you you have to have those kinds of players, particularly as role players. And he stepped mm-hmm. up big with Chris. You know, uh, hobble with injuries. Yeah, and he's not quite as athletic as Dante Divincenzo, but I think he yeah um, he I think even more than Dante, even more than Pat. Uh, Grayson is a shooter, yeah, and um, possibly as a result of him going to Duke, or you know maybe Duke attracts a certain type of player. But man, he is feeding off of the booze. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He was just a no show for those Milwaukee games, but you got him in Chicago. All of a sudden, the guys lighting him up. And you know Charles Barkley and all those guys often talk about what your role players do on the road. Hmm. And when you have players like the Bucks have who as role players step up in big moments on the road. That's, you know, and, and again, talking about the defending champions. So they've that's been right. there, you know, right. they, they have a right to have an edge about them now, especially with all of the LA talk early in the season and the Nets talk early. You know, if I were the Bucks, I'd, I'd be a little irritated by uh, <laughs> the neglect and the, the disrespect. Put some respect on the Bucks' name. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I think um, to use an expression that you used before, I think the Bucks approach this season very differently than many defending champions. And basically all season long with all the injuries, everything they were dealing with, you know, the disrespect, they were just out there chopping wood. Yeah. And it's it's showing. A couple new pieces, but otherwise the same core. Um, everyone that, you know, we lost a couple of guys in the trade. Yeah. But George Hill is hurt too. You know, that's George, another piece yeah, we're missing. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we haven't seen George Hill. And, you know, we, we need him, too, because Chris is out for the rest of the series, maybe for a couple games in the next series, too. And, yeah. You know, it's a little thin, but it's so good to see guys stepping up off the bench. You know, we talked about Grayson. We talked about Pat. Let's not forget Javon Carter. He played big minutes oh, today, man. too. Big minutes. Big minutes. Yeah. yeah. Aggressive defender. 
getting into good spots. He's not the biggest mm-hmm. scorer, but he's he's a great guard to have out there. You know, and Lopez, I know he didn't score a lot today, but he he has been a present. And right. and the way that the the league is such a shooting league now, if you have a big man who can have a presence and uh, both in the paint on defense, he's also uh, you know he can he can hit threes. He, he didn't not he I think he hit one today, but he he'll certainly draw some attention out there as well. Uh, but but he is taking up space and he's doing. Uh, a little bit of the shadow work that we don't always see that doesn't show up in the in the stat columns, you know, and that and that's been big for us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's he's very disruptive on defense, and you could tell because I think the Bulls, as you mentioned, they didn't have a bad game necessarily. They shot the ball okay uh, by playoff standards. Teams tend to shoot worse from three, but you know they were in there. Uh, three of their starters had twenty or more points. Mm-hmm. That's so solid team we're up against here, but we still managed yeah. to top them by almost 25 points because at the end of the day, you know, we kept them from doing what they wanted to do. Right. They were settling for shots. They, they didn't get the right. looks they wanted. They didn't get the spacing they wanted. They didn't get the pace they wanted. It was an environment that we could still control even when they were uh, going on a run. Yeah. Yeah, the Bucks really, here in game four, uh, the Bucks really controlled the game from from tip to horn you know mm-hmm. and uh that that's a really important showing of dominance when you control the game yeah you you fight off runs you hit big shots you get to the line the other thing that the, the bucks are doing is that they're still doing work in the paint with Giannis uh, down there uh, yeah, I, I think dominance is, is the right word because just looking back at the last four games of the series, you know, we out-rebounded the Bulls in every game, but if you look at the offensive boards, we gave them up in the first game. That game's one and two already. Mm-hmm. The Bucks looked pretty sluggish. Uh, they weren't really doing the things that we expect from them. But gradually, over the over the next few games, we see, you know, the Bucks are getting, they're, they're establishing themselves on the glass. Yes, they are. Yeah, and, and, uh, the defense stepped up too. You know, Chicago, they were shooting about 50% from the floor in that game, in that game too, where they got us in Milwaukee. But, you know, since then we've kept them under 40%. So shout out to coach bud, shout out to the role players. And of course, shout out to the starters. I think everyone found that footing that was missing in those first two games. And, you know, sadly we're not going to see Chris for a few more games, but hopefully we're in a good position when he gets back. You know, and you know, I got to say his name. Drew Holiday. Oh, my God. Just leave it at that. Just leave it at that. Drew Holiday. What a game he had. You know, he, he was coming down sticking pull-up threes, you know, off the dribble. Right. You know, and so if, if, right. if you got to worry about Drew doing that now, oh, my goodness. <laughs> He's uh, turning on his inner splash brother. That's right. Yeah, Drew, he was great, man. He was uh, He was 10 for 21. Five for eight from three, scored 26 points. He kept them quiet. What can we wow. say, man? With this backcourt, yeah. this is a very well-balanced team. That's right. We've got the best play in the league, folks. Chuck said it. We say it. It's got to be true. Giannis is number one. <laughs> Are there any other uh, series really, you've been watching that you want to talk about? Um, it's been fun watching Golden State. Denver really uh, fought. To get a win at home, glad for them. Uh, yep. It's really good to see the Nuggets uh, 
put put forward such a tough tough response, making sure that they didn't get swept. Joker, mm-hmm. man, he, yeah, he's 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 something to watch, you know. Uh, and I've also really appreciated how all those other folks, uh, Monte Morris and other other guys oh, over yeah. in Denver, Will Barton, yeah, Will Barton hit a big three today. Man, they they fought so tough. They fought hard, and props to them. Way not to get swept, guys. Yeah, and another guy, you know, you mentioned him uh, in the past, but Aaron Gordon also stepped up today. Yeah. He was really yeah. hustling out there. Yeah, he's playing good D. It's tough for him. It's a lot of shooters over there in Golden State. But Man, right, right. You know, I do think though, as I was watching, that Jeff Green and Andrew Wiggins are the same player. <laughs> They, yeah. they do the same thing for their teams. They stretch the floor. They use their athleticism in key moments. You know, they'll attack the rim. Mm-hmm. They are mirror images in some ways, 10 or so years apart. So, but, That's interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah they, they, they do a lot of the same stuff for their teams. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. I think uh, Wiggins is also an interesting case because for a while people were talking about him as a bust. And right. um there's number one picks overall who end up having very productive careers, but just by you know definition of being taken first overall, you can be considered a bust if you're not a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I think he's found the perfect balance between being a role player and being a star for Golden State. And with the injuries they've had, they've needed him to do both of those roles. And um, with his ups and downs in the past, it's good to see Wiggins finally settling in to a productive role. And if he's a mirror image of Jeff Green, that means he's going to be around for a long time. Yeah, and he will be because, uh, you know, when you have players like Andrew Wiggins and Jeff Green, they they have so many tools and they do a lot of different things on the floor that's hard to account for. Yeah. They're always, uh, you know, in position. Uh, They play good help defense. They play uh, good on-the-ball defense. You know, Mm -hmm. they stick open buckets. They can create their own shots. They're decent passers. And so when you have that many tools, Fans don't always know exactly what the contributions are, you know, and so uh, these mm-hmm. guys are doing doing work that uh, doesn't go as noticed. But but I, I like I like Andrew Wiggins' game a lot, and you're absolutely right. Maybe he's not the the guy who's leading his team to a championship, but he is certainly a valuable piece out there. Yeah, yeah, a sort of a Swiss Army knife, Scottie Pippen yeah. type of player mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's been a fun series. I think this this game four was also a hell of a shootout between the teams. Um, it was neck oh, and neck man. for most of the game. Yeah. That was a fun one. Yeah, Clay looks good. I think Clay's back. Yeah, Clay's back. I saw Clay dunk. I swear to God, I saw him dunk. Yeah. And a, a, an interesting series out in the West that I've been watching is this Memphis Minnesota series. It's tied two yeah, to two right now. Say more about it. Say more about this, because I, I haven't been able to get to it as much as I need to. Well, I think an interesting thing about this matchup is these are both young teams. A lot of the players haven't been in the playoffs before, or they, you know, first round exit. Um, it's a very athletic matchup. You have a lot of really great ball players out there, guys who can do amazing things on offense, amazing things on defense. And, of course, one of my favorite players in the NBA right now, John Morant. John. He's He's doing big things out there. Big up, Ja. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just been a fun one to watch. 
I think it's also interesting to see that home court advantage hasn't really existed for that uh, matchup. They've both split at home, uh, and now it's going back and forth for game five, six, maybe seven. We'll see. I caught caught game three. uh, Okay. And and so then I caught some clips from game two as well. And I'm really interested interested to see how Big Cat finishes this season and what else he does in the playoffs because – you know, you talk about a highly skilled guy with a lot of tools. He's one of them as well. Oh, and, for sure. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he puts all of it together and continues to put it all together. Yeah, I've always liked him. I think that it's hard to build a team around a guy like that sometimes. Yeah. To find complementary pieces for someone like that. And I think to some extent the Timberwolves are still trying to figure that out because yeah. we saw a couple of games of these four games where he's almost hesitant or uh, overthinking things. He uh, he didn't take many shots in game three. In uh, Game three was just a strange game. You know, Memphis came back from quite a deficit to win that one. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. And Towns just kind of, it seemed like he was just trying to facilitate, but I think there's moments when you're a guy that skilled, that big, who can create mismatches where you kind of have to go to the hoop a couple times, see what happens. You got to be selfish. Yeah, the big dog's got to eat. Yeah, and that's hard yeah, yeah, exactly. for for fans to understand too, and but we know it when we see it. We don't always have the uh, language to put a name to it. You you need your your big guns to go get theirs because it it puts yeah. everybody in their place and in their position in some really important ways for offenses to run smoothly, for defenses to get put in tough positions. So you you need your you need your big guns to really really take over sometimes, especially in the playoffs. Oh, for sure, yeah. So we'll see. You know, I I feel like this series could really go either way. Uh, I hope it goes to seven games just for the entertainment value. But, you know, really this series is more about the potential of these two franchises. I think both teams are going to be staples of the playoffs for the next few years. So this is a nice little preview. Yeah, it is. A lot of guys folks probably don't don't know. Some guys whose names yeah. we, we don't hear a lot. So that's good, too. That's right. Yeah. It's the future of the league. A lot of good young guys on those teams. So we'll see. Yeah. See, expect big things from them. Well, Rob, we have a lot more playoffs to come. A couple more months. A <laughs> couple more months, man. This is the best time of year, though. I love it. Second season. Hell yeah. You know, we'll be back to talk about uh, the Bucks as they continue on against the Bulls and, you know, hopefully uh, advance the next round. But uh, until then, call it a day there. So. Thank you all for listening. Appreciate it, folks. We really appreciate it. Subscribe, rate us, whatever you can do on your apps. Tell your friends. And uh, if you're on Twitter, you can follow us at BBPodMKE. That's Beyond Basketball Podcast, Milwaukee. BBPodMKE. Or email us if you have any questions, thoughts. If you hate Duke, if you love Duke. <laughs> you know, we've been talking about Duke players a lot lately. Uh, so let us, yeah, there <laughs> can't get rid of these deep guys. So, uh, yeah, yeah, send us something on at beyondbasketballpod at gmail.com. If you have any good comments or questions, we'll read them out. Our wonderful music comes from Ron Johnson, the good Ron Johnson. That's Ronald E. Johnson, E for excellent, the excellent right. Ron Johnson. Um, if you like what you hear, you can listen to those songs in full or. Uh, other tracks by Ron at soundcloud.com slash Chaco Geek. 
That's C-H-O-C-O-G-E-E-K, Choco Geek. And uh, we'll be back soon. So see you next time. See you next time, folks. Let's go Bucks. Bucks.